Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And Byron, there's been a lot going on since the last time we were here. But before we get into all the news and politics we're going to cover, let the listeners know why they should be listening to Politically Entertaining every week. You should be listening to us because we tell you the stuff that you need to hear. And uh, we cover things that the mass media doesn't always pay close enough attention to. And to be honest, this episode... We probably needed to do two shows just to do justice to everything that's going on. But unfortunately, you just got this one show. So topics from uh, my man Quincy Jones been opening his mouth a lot. You got the whole Florida mass shooting uh, down there in Broward County. Uh, Laura Ingram telling basketball players to shut up and dribble LeBron and KD. And the Me Too movement, it hit the White House. And those are the topics we are not going to cover today. So. That just lets you know how much is going on. But before we get into the more serious stuff, my brother, have you seen uh, Black Panther yet? Man, I saw it. It was awesome. Probably the best Marvel movie to date uh, since since Iron Man to me. I mean, that's going way back. Iron Man was really a great origin story. And when you look at um, Black Panther, I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything like that if you haven't seen it. But when you look at Black Panther, that was a an origin story that you could almost see a new era a new arc of 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 what marvel's doing in their phase three you see that black panther is going to be a huge part of that and that and this was a great way to bring that universe into the fold of of the uh, existing universe as we've uh, been enjoying it for the last decade i uh i caught it as well i'm a big fan of uh i usually root for the villains in these type of movies and Michael B. Jordan did a great job, man. I'm already a fan of his from his work on The Wire. And just to see him, you know, get this big Hollywood movie, it's almost like he's a homeboy of mine. I'm so happy for him. But um, it was a good movie. And without giving away any spoilers, I do feel like they cheated my man. They cheated Killmonger. He should be the king. But you'll see what I'm talking about when you check it out. Uh, Great movie. And uh, it's good to see the support that it's getting. It's going to break a lot of records, man. But as I said, we got a lot to get into. So let's talk some politics. Politically entertaining. Your clips notes to American politics. And now your hosts, Frank and Byron. Want to thank everybody once again for joining Politically Entertaining. Uh, before we get into the show, please, if you're listening, if you can hear my voice, subscribe. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Play Podcasts, we're also on Podbean and Stitcher Radio. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Tell a friend to subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook, Politically Entertaining, as well as Twitter at The Vocal Minority. First topic we want to get into, because he's my co-host, I figured this would be a good topic to talk about first. His favorite attorney general, his boy, Jeff Sessions. Now, <laughs> Jeff Sessions, 
was talking to a lot of sheriffs in uh, D.C. last week, and he had the following quote, interesting quote. And he said, Office of Sheriff is a critical part of the Anglo-American heritage. It should never be eroded. We should never erode this historic office. I know this. You know this. Now, it's important to note that he added that that Anglo-American part. He added that in because his original speech just said legal heritage. But Jeff Sessions got in his mind to add the Anglo-American part in. And for me, this is what they're saying, why the camera cameras are rolling, Frank. And I think it speaks to why he and others in this administration want to. And I'll use his word, erode much of what Obama did. Speak on your boy, man. What 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 did he mean by this Anglo-American stuff, man? I mean, a couple of things to clarify, obviously. Um, you keep insinuating he's my boy, but I, I wonder if you have a, a deep-seated obsession with him. But I'm going to let that ride. Okay, so, shot fight. Shot fight. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, he said, no, he, he said nothing that we already didn't know. It's like one of those things where... It was a little bit shocking to hear it, but but Jeff Sessions, for those people who don't remember, like it's so crazy how history goes, and we've white you know whitewashed Martin Luther King, even even as black people, we've whitewashed Martin Luther King to the point where we don't even remember who he really was and what how 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 much of I think some people actually do him a disservice. I think you should go back and listen to our interview with um what's the, what's the doctor's name? I'm losing his name. Uh, he wrote King Clay, Papers. Claiborne Carson. Claiborne Carson. I think there's this idea that Martin Luther King was some pacifist and Malcolm X was some revolutionary. And it's like you don't even understand what a revolution is when you when you're when you're saying when you make if you make if you ever made the statement I, I need to be more we need to be more Malcolm than Martin. You don't understand who Martin Luther King is. You really don't. And and so I was I would say all that to say that Martin Luther King had such had made so much ground up that they had to assassinate him because he was about to get reparations, first of all, right? And then second of all, his wife still had so much pull that she prevented this same Jeff Borgard session from becoming a federal judge in Alabama some 30-some years ago. Her letter held weight, which now all of a sudden, because she's dead now, you know, everything's different. But what I'm saying is, you know, once, you know, once a race is always a racist. Jeff Sessions has not changed. He's just more comfortable now where he is. But so anybody who actually understands who he is or anybody who thinks that people can change, people change. People don't really change. You know, God can change people. I, I believe that. But he don't. You have to also want to change. Right. And there's nothing that I've seen in Jeff Sessions record or his anything he's done that shows me that he's not still the same person that Coretta Scott King condemned uh, some 30 years ago. And. You know, there's just a spirit of evil that exists right now in, in this administration. And I think there's nothing nowhere else to say. There's a lot of people talking about God is in the White House. God is not in the White House. I'm sorry. Sorry to tell you, he is not in the White House. I'm not saying he's not in control. Two different things. Right. God is sovereign always, but he is not in this White House. So stop saying that. Stop putting those foolish memes. He's not. He's, God is not in this administration. These people do not believe in the same God I believe in. So. The idea that this guy can get in, say, Anglo-American, he's basically giving, saying, yeah, Bull Connor, that's, you know, basically to keep these niggers in place, we need the white sheriff to be in position. I mean, did I misread that? Did I misinterpret anything? So I just wanted to, I just said all that to set up that last little statement, just to understand that 
you know, what we're fighting against has been a seed that's been planted for years. This isn't new. You know, this is not new. The Michael Browns, the Michael Moores, the 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 um Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, uh, Eric yeah, Garner, yeah. Jameer Rice. This is all part of that Anglo-American sheriff policing that he's talking about. You know, it's the same reason, and I'm gonna keep it 100. The Parkland shooting, total tragedy, but the shooter somehow is alive, killed 19 people. He's white. In the white supremacist group. Tamir Rice, 12 years old, with a toy BB gun, killed in his front yard. Didn't shoot anybody. Couldn't shoot anybody if it was a BB gun. Couldn't kill anybody fatally, but he's dead. Trayvon Martin didn't even have a gun. Didn't even have a gun. He had Skittles and an iced tea and wearing a hoodie. He got killed by somebody who wasn't even a cop. That person didn't, didn't get convicted. So for those people that think that this is a shock that he said it, you just haven't been paying attention like, that's the thing. People people don't pay attention to people's actions. They listen to people's words and they go crazy. That's why I kind of hate today's world. The liberal, the liberal non, the, 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 I hate liberals right now because they're, they're whining about what people are saying, but they don't care about what people are doing. And I'm like, I don't care what people are saying. It's like your actions dictate who you are. There's a parable in the Bible that all these people who are the conservatives say there, and, and I have to get the verse, but basically, there's a parable. Jesus says there's two people. One person, the guy asked him to do something. He said he's not going to do it, but he did it. The other guy said he was going to do something and didn't do it. And Jesus said, which one do you think did the right thing? And they all answered, well, the guy who actually did what was asked to do. So what we're seeing right now is all the people that, that are that are claiming, you know, all these things like these liberals are saying, oh, yeah, it's so bad. They're, they, when they're not doing anything about it. They don't care. They don't really care. And so it's like they get up in a roar about what somebody said, but not what somebody did. And that blows my mind because I'm like, okay, I mean, so what? So what? Jeff Sessions said Anglo-American. That doesn't shock me. It doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is the fact that there's not an uprising for all, you know, the black people that get killed every year by police officers, by the liberals. We know the conservatives don't care. We know they think that they're, you know, in the right and that these, and for some reason, these people deserve to die. Alton Sterling, Eric Garner, the list goes on, you name it. So I'm just sick of the whole thing. I'm sick of it. I, I, you know, I don't know if I made that clear, but I'm sick of it. So I don't think anything about Jeff Sessions. He's just he's allowed to be who he always was. Uh, Frank just touched on something that we're going to dive into a little more towards the end of the show. So I'm glad you actually uh, went there, man. But that was some good stuff from. I would say from the top law enforcement uh, agency within the Department of Justice to the local law enforcement, Baltimore PD. And, I, I, you know, people that don't know anything about this, please listen to the details on this. So Baltimore police, there was a gun trace task force. This was an elite task force that was tasked with cleaning up the streets of Baltimore, like uh, arresting drug dealers, getting guns off the streets. Well, eight, it was a nine, it was a nine man elite force. As of right now, eight of those nine officers have now been found guilty of various charges from robbing, robbing to uh, racketeering. Twelve more have been accused. Um, <clears throat> how it started was one of the officers came across the ATF's radar. They began investigating him. As they investigated him, they said, holy bleep, it's the whole damn squad that's corrupt. So they began investigating all of them. Here are some of a handful of the examples because it was way too many examples to even explain on this show. Here's just a few of the examples of what this 
elite task force were doing. They were carrying around a BB gun that looked real just in case they made a mistake and shot an unarmed man. They could plant the gun on during the Freddie Gay, Freddie Gray uh, riots of uh, almost three years ago. Now, that CVS that they kept showing on fire, one of the officers made away with two garbage bags full of prescription drugs, sold them to a drug dealer to sell on the streets. In another case, officers found out that a particular drug dealer had two hundred thousand dollars in his home without a search warrant. They went in there. They took a hundred thousand dollars of the money. They took half. Then they closed the safe, turned the camera on and then pretended proceeded to open the safe as though they was opening for the first time and say, oh, look at here. We found a hundred thousand dollars and they've already pocketed a hundred thousand dollars. Another case, they followed a couple who were not involved in any illegal activity at all. They just found out that they had money, took their keys broke in their house and, and stole their valuables and their money. Like, if you ever seen The Shield, this this is it right here, the Gun Trace Task Force. So my question to you, man, even with the Department of Justice report that came out two years ago, uh, a subject that we actually talked about on this show, uh, they talked about how they, 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 you know, investigated the Ferguson Police Department and the Baltimore Police Department. They found, you know, within the entire department, there were all kind of... Uh, Racist practices, illegal practices, unlawful practices within the department. Even with that report, a report that you and I discussed, were you shocked by any of this that's been going on in Baltimore with this elite task force? No, because I watched The Wire and you mentioned The Shield, which I have not seen, but I have seen The Wire and The Wire is based in Baltimore. That's the crazy thing about it. And there is, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give. I mean, the show, if you haven't seen it by now, I mean, can't really say it's spoilers, but there is certainly a, there's a plot line in, in, in one of the seasons. I'm not sure which season. It runs through multiple seasons, but it's a plot line where basically this is happening, where there are people doing street rips and taking money. You know, it may not be as elaborate maybe as what this was, but they're, you know, basically cops taking money or setting people up. That's just part of the game. You know, that's part of what cops do. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, I don't know if people really understand what is going on in this world, this country. You know, why people are getting upset about people kneeling at the flag. This is why people are upset. This is why people are kneeling. Not just for people dying, but because, because all this is happening. Unfair, this, you know, but no, nobody's gonna think, man, Colin Kaepernick was justified. That's, that's the problem. Nobody's gonna make the connection and say, if, if one white person or black person, let me just take race out of it for a second, but if one person who was Complaining as Colin Kaepernick reads this report and wakes up and realizes why he was kneeling, then it was worth it. You see what I'm saying? Like, we have got to start making some connections on what is going on. This stuff is just isn't happening in a vacuum. People are so programmed and they're living their lives and everything's in a vacuum. It's like, oh, well, you're kneeling against the flag. You hate the troops. You hate this country. Go back to your country. What the? F Get out of here. This. What I'm saying is, there's there's got to be an understanding of who. Black people are and what they mean in this country. Okay, that's really what it comes down to. We are not a, a nuisance and annoyance. People that are complaining about everything. We are the backbone of this country. Everything in this country, all this infrastructure is built because of us. We fought off the Indians, Buffalo soldiers. Like wake up, and and, and it's like you might say, man, I'm listening to this this podcast, and this guy is. 
I listened to the first two seasons and he he was he never went off like this. Well, you know what? It's the third season. I mean, I have another season, so I need to say what I need to say and keep it real, keep it one hundred because I'm just I'm just blown away that this can even happen. This elaborate scheme is allowed to happen. And people really aren't going to get upset. People are still going to be mad. People are still going to be happy that Con. People are still going to have that Con Cabin didn't get a job because he kneeled. But they're not going to be upset because police officers schemed to kill and steal from ordinary citizens they're supposed to protect. That's crazy. But yeah, people kneeling, protesting this are the villains. Mm, I have a problem with that. And, and what's crazy is it's gotten no national media attention. You know, we learn about Stormy, Don, uh, Stormy Daniels and all of the affairs that the the president has had. But I, unless I missed it, I haven't seen CNN, NBC, Fox News, any of them mention this one time. Well, they don't, and they don't want to cover it because why would they want to cover it and, and lead any credence to, because even the even, even the CNNs of the world, too, it's like everybody wants to have a one-track narrative. They don't want, nobody, nobody's going to have, have, have a report and say, you know what, um, here's the thing. <laughs> oh, you know, Colin Kaepernick is right because all these things that you're seeing now is corruption. This is what he was actually protesting against. It had nothing to do with any troops. It had to do with the fact that, and then on top of that, do you know how the United States government treats their military when they come back from serving? Can we even get on that? No, we don't even have time to get on that. It's like the narratives, the narratives in this world are so shallow because we, we, we have, we have allowed ourselves to become inundated by information. But no, no um, ability to to really absorb it. So we we get everything in sound bites and memes, and you know twenty second. I mean, excuse me, you know twenty character posts. You know, and and we and we say, wow, that's a, you know this is this is how we're living. You know, we think people are putting profound Twitter statements out there. There's nothing profound you can write in 140 characters. That's I'm just keeping it real. Like you just you can maybe have some a zinger or something, but. I just I just think the whole process, the way we get our information is 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 corrupt. And until we fix that, we're going to still have these same ridiculous narratives where they're totally disconnected. It's like it should be like Colin Kaepernick justified Baltimore Police Department indicted on planning evidence and doing all these things. Nobody would ever write that story because nobody has either the cojones or the coherence to write it. Well, you may not hear it nationally, but you're definitely going to hear about it on a show like this. And what's been interesting to me, Frank, is conservatives, they love to bring up this thing called the Ferguson effect because the Department of Justice investigated them. And <clears throat> they said that, you know, cops can't do their jobs right anymore because they're scared of getting in trouble for just doing their job. Well, this is our Ferguson effect. And when you don't protect informants, when you beat and kill us, when you create ways to lock us up, this is why our relationship with cops are so strained. And what's crazy is some real some real criminals may get released because of these eight officers that have been found guilty. All of their cases. Guess what? Lawyers are going to go back and look at that. And we may have some criminals that go free. So it's it's all bad. And I'm, I'm just baffled that it's gotten zero national attention but that's why you listen to shows like politically entertaining because we're gonna bring it to you man so <clears throat> i want you all to stay tuned for a different take that I, I think is going to be a different take on this whole DACA. we talked about that the last show it just failed in the senate 
So uh, Frank and I are going to talk about it in a different way. You'll see what I'm talking about. But first, let's talk to uh, Brandon Davis. Listen up. It's time for a politically entertaining exclusive interview. Last time we had him on, he broke down the myth and talking points on black on black crime. I've always contended that he's one of the smartest guests we've had on. Brandon Davis, man, I want to appreciate you. Thank you for coming back on the show again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. You uh earlier today you 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 did like a panel or something, uh, didn't you? Anything interesting with that? Yeah, I did a panel at this uh, uh, conference on criminal justice in New Orleans about uh, policing and policy bias. So it's just about the panel was essentially about how policies can be biased towards uh, racial groups, ethnic groups, uh, um, religious minorities, things like that. Oh, yeah, that that definitely would have been good to listen to. Um, we're probably going to even touch on some of that, man, in this conversation. I, I think last time we spoke, I think Trump was running for president at the time, and I don't think he was president. Right. We've now gotten a taste of one full year of him. What's been the most surprising thing that he's done or said, in your opinion? Uh, <laughs> that's kind of- that's kind of hard to rank them. I think the, the overall, the overall thing I think is the most interesting is from a, uh, from my point of view is that, uh, his assault on institutions. And I think that is a very important aspect that people are talking about and that, that we don't, I give enough, give enough credence to because institutions are important in our everyday lives. You know, people like to shrug their nose or, you know, just brush it off. But institutions are the reason you go to the gas station and pump gas and don't consider if it's gas or not. Right. You know, so institutions are very important, right? They're, they 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 use transaction costs, right? You don't have to go and test the gas and to see if it's 98 octane or 87 octane, right? You just hit the button and do it because institutions have, you know, have tested and proven to us over time that this is what it says it is. And that goes the same for the FBI, the CIA, and things. Not to say that they're like blameless, they they never do anything wrong, but to attack these, you know, core American institutions is a very, very serious accusation. It's it's been it's been interesting to watch him attack like an FBI, and just watch the whole Republican Party follow him in doing in doing that, you know. Yeah. For years, black black people have complained about law enforcement, and now they're mm-hmm. doing it, and it's okay. So, yes. speaking speaking of Trump, <clears throat> I know he's in Florida right now. I guess you know, speaking to the uh, victims of the the mass shooting or whatnot. When is this country gonna offer more than prayer and condolences? Because I don't know if you feel like I do, but I'm kind of numb to the reaction of these mass shootings, where there's a mass shooting. People offer prayers and condolences, and then you have one side that say we need stricter gun rights. The other side says no, we don't, and then nothing happens. Will this country ever make any type of changes, or, or is this something we just have to get used to? I think we will have this, you know, uh, this type of reaction whenever Republicans are in office, because any other type of incident that occurs with someone who's uh, who's not white. 
we have a certain policy reaction. You know, going back all the way to like the uh, crack cocaine epidemic, we had a reaction that was criminal. And now we're seeing like we have reactions to terrorists. We have a terrorist, we have a, a, a ban on people who come to this country. Uh, they say that immigrants are criminals, so we want to build a wall. And now that we're saying that these criminals are white, homegrown Americans, it's more like prayers and thoughts. And I think that has a lot to do with the Republican Party being in office and a lot to do with the power of the NRA. They are very powerful, very significant interest groups, and they are putting money in the coffers of the Republican candidates, and they are just unwilling to address the gun issue at any at, 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 at in any level, right? So no one is saying, like, we're going to take guns away from everyone. No one is saying anything like that. People are just saying we need background checks. We need to make sure that people who have, uh, you know, maybe have illness, maybe have some type of violence in their past, spousal abuse or something like that, or, or, or stalking, even to that extent, that we need to limit their access to weapons. And, you know, the NRA is just totally against that because I think uh, what, the, what the research was show is that the NRA is not about the Second Amendment. The NRA is about selling guns and ammunition. And uh, the more they can sell guns and ammunition, the better. And uh, another function of the MRA, NRA, I think, is important is that, you know, when you do have gun scares, like when people are out there now thinking that the government might do something to limit their access to guns, people go out and buy guns and ammunition. So every time that we have something like this happen, the people that support the NRA make money. And I think that's something that needs to be looked into and I think also, I, I, I just doubt we'll have anything to come of it. I don't think if someone can go to Sandy Hook and shoot those small, you know, middle, like elementary school kids and we have nothing yeah. to come of it. That's, I think what, that that's when I gave shooting up. up a high school, yeah, someone shooting up a high school is nothing. If you can shoot, you know, five, six-year-old kids and nothing happens, you know, what, what's a high school kid? I think that's a great point, Brandon. Um, this is Frank. I'm going to jump in here and ask you a couple of questions now. One of the things you, you mentioned, or I'm going to just get into is, you know, one of the things as you said, Trump is attra- attacking institutions. And one of the things I think we've seen is, you know, the United States pull out certain strategic partnerships. Like obviously they pull out the TPP, which wasn't necessarily a great partnership, but there's a lot of strategic partnerships the United States isn't even participating in. And when you look at things like the rise of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and the falling of the dollar, are you concerned that because of the kind of isolationist policies that Trump has, that we could have an economic crash of unforeseen proportions because we are backing out certain partnerships and we don't have the same backing that we had, say, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Is that a concern to you? Well, I'm not concerned about an economic crash. What I am concerned about is America not being the leader of certain uh, world policies. And when America pulls back and we take this nationalist perspective and we don't think about other countries, then that leaves a space for other powers to come in and have their will done throughout the world. And I think that that's something that China and, uh, and Russia particularly are looking at as opportunities to take ground where we are receding ground on this nationalist front. Now, as far as like economics are concerned, I'm, I'm not sure that it will have like, you know, like a, 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 a great recession type effect, but if the dollar falls, and let's say something like the yen takes the dollar, then 
you're going to have a, a position to where we owe China a lot of money and their money is worth more than ours. And so that turns the money that, that, that we owe them into, you know, into, into, you know, uh, uh, whatever percent over that their, their money is worth. And that puts us in a bad position. That puts us, and that puts us in a bad position, uh, economically, that puts us in a bad position on the global scale because then they take the lead as, uh, the global, uh, uh intervener. Right, we had a position to where, if in America was the global intervener, you know, uh, and in positions where we had some type of moral authority, even you know whatever that was worth, because we're not like we were safe, but we had some type of moral authority. And once we can see that, then we can see also our moral authority to China, Russia, and to other countries who are willing to step into these areas and provide them aid, the aid with strings attached, and those strings that may be attached may be something, you know to the total opposite of what American values and morals are. Wow, that's that's a that's a mouthful that you said, and I think that's, man, I, if you're listening to this, rewind what he just said, because that's very important to understand. Uh, my, my next question is kind of follow-on to that, which is, let's look forward to 2018. Let's say that the American public is, is, is tired of the current administration, and they start voting some of them out, and then fast forward to 2020, and Trump is no longer in office. How much damage can be done in the next three years, even if, say, the Democrats were to take back the majority and win the presidency in 2020? How much ground can be lost in these next three, in these next, you know, two and a half years in your mind? Well, depending on the game that the Democrats are uh, uh, positioned or thought projected to obtain, uh, we could, uh, the Democrats could be able to. Uh, keep certain policies from passing, but the president also has the veto power. So when we're talking about what the president can do, you know, being a, having the veto power is a very significant force because it means that Congress has to pass then with the overwhelming force to, to override the veto. So if, we, if, 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 if Democrats gain seats and then they don't gain enough to override a veto, then they're really negating themselves. And so maybe a lot of things that would have gotten passed and don't get passed, but that doesn't mean things that Democrats want to get passed will get passed. If that makes any sense. Right? So with the Republican majority, they can pass something the president can sign it. With the Democrat majority, they can pass something the president will not sign, and they will not have the numbers to overcome a veto. So to get something passed is a majority. To get a, a, a something passed over a veto is like a super majority. They still may not have those numbers, so you may be able to slow them down. But uh, uh, the idea that they can get those passed to uh, uh, to go around him are 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 them. I think that's the best we can hope for because I I seriously doubt they'll get enough numbers to uh, override a veto. We're talking to yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Brandon Brandon Davis. We like talking to the smart and articulate, and he is that. I want to get you out of here with this final question. You mentioned how you spoke on the panel earlier today. And when I introduced you, I talked about how you spoke on black on black crimes and how it's a myth. Mm -hmm. Yet people believe in it. Yet many, Mm -hmm. many, many people never believe our complaints of unfair treatment by law enforcement. Will a case like uh, what's going on in Baltimore with the gun trace task force and how eight officers have now been found guilty? Will a case like that begin to open some people's eyes and listen to us? And if not, what do you think it will take for the masses to believe that, hey, minorities are really getting treated unfairly? 
Well, if I, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I think that that will have the, – the Baltimore situation will have an effect on police departments because the police departments don't want to be the next Baltimore. So I think that, that it will have an effect on major police departments, not like your, you know, my local city, Daphne police, but like on major police departments uh, and like, you know, Atlanta, Chicago, things like that, it will have an effect. Do I think that it will change perceptions of African-Americans? I, I, I do not, because I think that it goes more to how the media portrays us, how it's portrayed in, like, not just, like, uh, you know, local news, but also movies and, and, and any other media source or radio or, you know, uh, TV shows, things like that have to change in order for people to change their perceptions of violence, because uh, essentially uh, these racial classifications that are, that are black or Hispanic or Asian or white are social constructions. And these social constructions are built on uh, a type of mythology or a type of ideology that, that paints the other as someone dangerous. And until we can get to the core of these uh, social constructions, then I don't think there will be much change in how people perceive us. But I do think that this case will have uh, implications and will have reverberations through major police departments because no one wants to be uh, the next Baltimore because the next Baltimore may not be just be cops falling, uh, uh, routine cops falling, maybe like police chiefs or commissioners or mayors. Uh, I think a good example is what's going on in Flint where the district attorney is, is talking about charging the governor, the assistant mm-hmm. governor. I think that once, I think if Flint happens, uh, then these elected officials will start to see that what happens under their watch will have ramifications for them as well. And I think uh, that's, that, that will have a positive effect on policy changes in some of these major cities. And then if a split happens, then it, not only in some of these major cities, but also some of these smaller municipalities. The perception point you bring up is so important, too, man, because even I think even if people believe everything that's going on in Baltimore, I think most people look at it and say, well, they are dealing with a bunch of, you know, scumbags or thugs. So I can see why they would act like yeah. that. So, yeah. That perception point yeah, is, the wire. Is, is key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, wire, the Wire was still in Baltimore. One of, the, one of the greatest shows, I think one of the greatest shows ever filmed was still in Baltimore, right? I agree. I agree. And, and, uh, and, you know, that, that perception of how, of how, you know, there's no, you know, no, not many positive black role models in the, in the Wire, you know. And so, even though it was a great show, it was like a groundbreaking show, it didn't have a lot of positive black uh, or minority role models, you know. So that social construction is, is, is a very sticky thing. And until we can get to the root of it, you know, like with, you know, this weekend coming out with Black Panther, Black Panther, until we can get to the root of it, until we can have shows that show us as heroes and not just uh, the negative aspects of society, it'll be very difficult to, to, to counteract that narrative. You can catch interviews like this and others on our YouTube channel under Politically Entertaining. Brandon, I want to thank you for coming on, man. And I'm not going to ask this question, but I'm just going to put this out there, man. I hope you have some political aspirations, man, because I think, you know, <laughs> with the way you think, man, and, and everything, I think you would be a much needed uh, asset to the political process. So I'm not sure if that's something you've thought about, but I hope it is, brother. Yeah. I- I appreciate that. I, li- I like to study it more than I like to participate in it. I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> I got you, man. Brandon Davis, thank you again, man. I want to thank Brandon Davis once again for coming on the show. Uh, two things he mentioned that stood out to me, Frank. 
he mentioned that whole perception thing when we were talking about, you know, Baltimore police and, and will America ever wake up and listen to us, you know, cry about how we have been treated unfairly. The perception has to change, too, because I do feel like a lot of people look at cities like Baltimore and Chicago and say, you know what? Even if police are beating up little black kids or, or planting evidence on them, most of them are guilty anyway. So they kind of deserve it. They, they've made that environment. They made the jobs tough for police officers. So they deserve it. And they wind up not caring. And the fact that he brought up, you know, Trump attacking our institutions, it's, it's so important, man. Um, did anything stand out for you on the interview? I mean, he's just a really sharp guy. I mean, uh, having talked to him last time about, you know, understanding the over, talking about over-policing, that was something he talked about in his last interview, which you can go back and listen to on iTunes, uh, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, or Podbean. You know, just he just has a great understanding of the overall arc of things that happen. He under, when, when I just was kind of going off in a rant before the interview about he understands things don't happen in a vacuum, and he's he's putting those pieces together, the institutional things, as you mentioned, that are being attacked, and then some of the economic issues that he also talked about with some of the you know things that we could we could lose ground in as being taking a more nationalist approach. So those are things that are just very important concepts that people just are not able to grasp, and and, and I think it's just crazy because you know people are so busy with their you know pre-programmed lives that they don't even know what's going to hit them. And I think, you know, it's very important to, to listen to that interview and understand, you know, how you need to be positioned in, in, in the coming days when things are going to get a little bit rocky. I totally agree, man. Very sharp, dude. Um, before we get out of here, as I mentioned before the interview. So last episode, we talked about DACA and that was pretty much DACA is kids that came over here with their parents. And they're still here. And they Obama, when he was in office, he created an executive order for them to come forward. And as long as they pass certain background checks and stuff, they would be on the path to citizenship. So have a new president. He gave a March 5th deadline and uh, he wants to make it permanent because an executive order is not permanent. Congress failed to come up with something last week and it failed. And as you know, they have less than two weeks to work on it now. Like I said, the deadline is March 5th and I'm for it. I, I need to say that on the front end. I'm for it. I think it would be unfair for them not to pass something. You know, these, uh, these young people, young immigrants, they put, they put their trust in our government to, uh, create a way for them to become legal. This is the only country that many of them have known. So I, I do think we should find a solution for it. Let me make that completely clear. But a part of me wishes that the Democrats, because they have been fighting hard for this DACA thing. I know uh, Senator Durbin from Illinois, he's been talking about it for at least two or three years now. They've been fighting hard for it. I wish they fight that hard for us. And Frank, I'm going to give you the opportunity to correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, a lot of people scoff at the notion of uh, reparations, even though, you know, <clears throat> Other citizens have gotten reparations before, but when it comes to black people, people scoff at it. Police brutality. We've talked about that pretty much the whole show today. You haven't heard any members of the Congress really not really speak on it. When Eric Garner got choked out on camera, you know, a couple of members mentioned something here or there, but you don't hear anything else about that. Police brutality is going on every day. The war on drugs, the war on drugs. 
affected minorities. Now all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's reached the masses, it's reached white people. And now all of a sudden we have to have this empathy and we got to get them help and we got to care for them. And, and we got to have so much sympathy for these people. But, you know, in the 80s, if you go back and look at some news clips on how they covered drugs in the 80s when crack was hitting, you know, inner cities, it wasn't a lot of uh, kumbaya. We need to help those people. It was a, a lot of let's lock those animals up. So I feel like they left Black Lives Matter hanging and pretty much allowed them to be painted as some anti cop killing group when that's not what they are. I know Fox News has shown you videos of people marching and saying, you know, kill the pigs, kill the cops. That's not the core message of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is to bring attention to things that's going on, like what happened in Baltimore or in Chicago, where another 15 officers are about to be indicted for doing similar things. So am I wrong for calling out the Democratic Party? It seems like I can't remember the last time that they have really stuck their neck out for black people. And we, you know, look, look at the election in Alabama, the special election with Roy Moore and uh, what was his name? Doug Jones. Yeah. We we delivered that. You know, now, what, what are we going to get in return? So, you know, like I say, if I'm wrong, let me know. But I, like I say, I love them fighting for DACA, but they need to start showing us something also. But the Democratic Party. And I haven't cussed, uh, you know, three seasons on the show, so I figure I drop, you know, a good F-bomb for measure. And I say that because, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I kind of feel like this. It's like the only reason they're fighting so hard for the certainly, you know, to say the Mexican or Latino immigrants is because they're part of a large voting block. And, 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 and let's be real, playing favors with them, getting them, you know, in citizenship and showing a good favor, they'll, they, that can help swing, swing the election. The thing is... You know, the the um, Latin American population or those who identify as Hispanic, whatever the term you use when you look at those little cards, that's a huge voting block. They're going to be the majority um, in this country in the next 20 years. So getting on their side is a big deal. Do I do I think there are some people that really genuinely want to help the doc? Well, sure, I think that's fine. But I think it's it's worth noting that they it's 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 they're not you know they're not fighting solely just out of the goodness of their heart none of these politicians are doing anything out of the goodness of their heart and 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 we know that because we look at the way black people have been continually treated and we 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 always they always double talk around the real issues that black people are concerned with which are you know police brutality as we mentioned there's 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 always like yeah that's important but then it's not important once you know no no laws have gotten passed nothing has been uh, change or anything since since you know you know some of these guys got in office and you know a lot of times when as, as we talked about when the Democratic parties win certainly in a state like Alabama the white people have to come out and really carry them so it's like I, I'm I'm sick that that we don't have a party that is, is respecting us and then you know obviously you know you look at the Republican party and say okay should I start voting Republican as a black person I mean that's hard pill to swallow too because you look at the people that you're with, voting with and it just doesn't feel right. Um, and certainly there are some people that say, well, morally, they might vote for Republicans. But it's like, I don't believe that either party is, is say, a, a Christian party or whatever the religion you believe in. So I don't think that should factor into your voting. I just think they're both disgusting. And I think that, honestly, the Democratic Party is more disgusting because they lay back in the weeds and just kind of, you know, 
play, you know, play, play the rope dope until they can kind of get in the office and wiggle their way in. Yeah, I mentioned at the top of the show, it's amazing the stuff we were not able to cover. And I just want to say this. I, I don't want to toot our, toot our own horn, but uh, you need to listen to shows like this. And if we're not for you, you need to find a podcast or a show that you can listen to. I'm not saying you need to follow news and politics every day. But once a week, just check in. That's what we try to do. I mean, look at what the Trump administration is trying to do with food stamps. We didn't even mention that today, but put it like this. They're trying to dictate what you can buy in, in like little uh, meal kits and stuff, uh, peanut butter and, and just pasta and just what they deem you should get and give that to you. Because, like I said in the last episode, I believe it was when they passed those tax cuts, they had to find a way to pay for them. This is one of them making cuts to the food stamp program. They're looking to cut $200 billion just by the cuts they're going to make with this. So I'm telling you, pay attention. The Department of Justice found 13 Russians uh, did uh, impact the last election in 2016. It's a lot going on. Frank and I tried to cover it as much as we could, uh, the more important topics. Uh, but. Just one last thing, and I'll let you take us out. One last thing on that Democratic Party. What's going on in Baltimore, that should be on the, 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 the mouth of every Democratic politician on why we need reform in law enforcement. Yet, you haven't seen any of them, excuse me, you haven't seen any of them mention a word about it. And that's the frustration that you heard from Frank, and that's the frustration that I'm expressing. They got to start delivering to us because I'm telling you, the more and more black people I talk to, they're pretty much checked out of politics. Frank and I, we try to fight against the whole attitude of voting doesn't matter. Well, when the party does things like this and ignore us, they kind of give those people a point. So we want to continue to fight against that. Midterms are coming up. We're going to come to you as much as we can this year, inform you guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend to subscribe. Yeah, thank you guys for listening again. This is season three and you know, like I said, we just we have we have a new, renewed sense of energy and passion. And we just want to not not that we ever wasted any of the first two seasons, but we just I just wanted to be as transparent as possible with with all these different things that are coming on and not be uh, worried about, you know, political correctness or worry about anything. Just worry about giving a real honest perspective on what, why, you know, what you should be paying attention to, how you should be reacting, how you should be understanding and digesting what is being fed to you. And it's important to, as, as Byron said, to find a podcast that's not part of the mainstream media because you're not going to get the real angle and perspective on some of these stories. And even if you don't like our perspective, you know, that's the, I, I think, I, like I said, we have, we advise you to find a show that you like. But for those of you who love us, we thank you. We actually encourage you to listen. We actually encourage you to share with your friends. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play Podcast. Check out some of our interviews on YouTube. And, you know, we'll see you guys soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.